Welcome to the Small Business Show. We created a platform to have candid and in-depth conversations with entrepreneur and business professional we find fascinating. Learn the tips and tricks for marketing, running, and growing a small business. The Small Business Show is the official podcast of Garuda Promo and Branding Solutions. Hello, everyone. Thank you for tuning in. My name is Swire. You can also call me a promo guy. My guest today is Chris M. Kane from uh, Status Quo. Uh, Chris is an executive coach and a public speaker. We're going to talk about uh, his strategy, the flow, and how to get into the zone today. Instead of reading off Chris' bio uh, like I do before, I want to do something special today. Uh, in one of the notes that Chris has wrote me for the show, uh, he said, and I'm putting it in front of my desk right now, uh, one of the things is, challenge what you think is possible. Take full responsibility for your circumstances. Make a real commitment. And uh, that is my motto for 2021. Uh, with that, well, welcome to the show, Chris. Thank you so much. Grateful to be here. I'm very impressed. Wow, I'm just a few days into the new year and I've already got something on somebody's desk. That's outstanding. Yeah, I think if we, if I can do all of what you uh, wrote on that, I could basically accomplish any things that I want to take on this year. You know, you really can. And, and I love that you brought that up. The, the first point, challenge what you think is possible. Um, it's absolutely true because things are only impossible until they aren't anymore. Um, and a lot of it has to do with what we believe is possible. There's something called the Roger Bannister principle. Roger Bannister was the first man to ever run a mile in under four minutes. And people were trying to do this for decades. And when he finally did it in 1954, his record only lasted for 46 days because all of a sudden it became possible in everybody's mind. And as soon as something becomes possible up here, we see it manifest out there. Mm -hmm. And then I like, you know, you have to take responsibility for your circumstances, you know, meaning that the world that we, we live in right now, if you take on a challenge, you don't just back away and blame, complain and say, oh, it didn't, didn't work for me. You got to take full responsibility and you have to be commit into it. You know, that's how you become successful and that's how you, uh, you know, move on to the next challenge. Yeah, with, without full responsibility, nothing is really going to happen. You're going to get stuck in blame and, and all of that kind of stuff. Whose fault is it? And when you look at the truly great performers in this world, you know, throughout history and today, if you look at the Blue Angels or the Thunderbirds, if you look at um, Shelby America when, uh, you know, Ford v. Ferrari, when they wanted to the, uh, beat Ferrari at Le Mans, it was all about what do we need to do to make it happen? It wasn't about what somebody did wrong or what didn't work correctly. It was great. What do we need to do to make it happen? Um, and we can only do that by accepting full responsibility for everything, including what we think and feel. I love that. So Chris, I wanted to ask you something that you do is successful on your company, Status Flow. Uh, can you tell us what is the flow and how, how do we get into it? Yeah, thanks. Uh, you know, flow is something that it's a very simple name, um, but you've heard it under uh, uh, other names. You know, athletes call it being in the zone or you've heard the term runner's high. Essentially, it is a optimum state of consciousness and you, you feel your best, you perform your best, and you're never stressed out or overwhelmed. Now, this is all driven by your own natural neurochemistry. So if you can set the conditions in your business, in your life, 
to create that kind of neurochemical dump, then you can create flow states. And when you do this, you are infinitely more creative, more innovative. You're like I said, you're never overwhelmed or stressed out. And you're at least five times quicker than you would normally be. Mm. It's it. Can everyone do it? Or how how would one, you know, get into such, uh, you know, flow for for the performance? Yeah, it, it it really is available to anybody with you know to to my with you know my understanding a biologically normal brain or, or at least close enough right, um, and so there are what we call flow triggers or flow switches. So some of them are going to be autonomy, right? People need to feel like they can they can steer their own car and do it really well. There needs to be complexity. There needs to be novelty. We need things new. To be happening. So there are 22 of these triggers. And so the more of them that you can harness and implement into your life and, and, and the tricky part is addressing your own behaviors to make that happen, you can produce these flow states. And that's the tricky part. It's behavior modification because a lot of this work is very counterintuitive. Um, you know, an example of what I'm talking about, if you want to be more effective, if you want to get more done every week, instead of working more hours, you work less hours. So I know that sounds counterintuitive, right? But working more hours so you can get more stuff done is the same thing as using your credit card so you can afford to buy more stuff. That's the losing proposition. That's the hamster wheel that so many people get on. So if you really want to be three to five times more effective, you work less hours because then you're only spending time on the things that matter, the things that make the impact on what you're trying to achieve. Yeah, I love that. You know, my my motto and our motto is do more with less. So yeah, I, the, I, the I say you, you know, like the the less overwhelmed you are with work, the actually the better that you perform. And you know, recently, you know, give you an example. Uh, my son is running a server on Discord. You know, he's overwhelmed. There's so many things going on. He he wants to do well, but then I I tell him, you're working yourself too much. You know, think about what you don't need to do right now. Mm-hmm. What you can delegate to other people to do, then you don't do it. You know, focus on what you, you what you really enjoy to do most and do it, and then you do it well. Then to do everything all at the same time and you overwhelm yourself. Yeah, that really is a, a big part of this work. Is is what you mentioned? It's about managing your resources, managing your energy. Right, do the things that you do well and do the things that make the impact. Right, like you know, like bookkeeping or payroll, you know, this is not something that I should be doing in my own organization. Get other people that are really good at that to do that stuff because they're going to do it faster and they're going to enjoy doing it where I'm going to do it really slow. I'm going to hate doing it. So, um, you know, what we say is if if you're moving too slow, you're probably trying to do too much. Mm -hmm. Yeah. the, The most successful people has the best help. You know, they will hire help even a lot better than they do in that particular, uh, industry. So like you, no good lawyer will res- represent themselves in court. They have another right. lawyer to do that. You know, like they all have a financial planner for wealthy people. You know, they're the reason why, you know, they, they hire out the best expert that can look out for them. So with that, I wanted to see if I could get more example from you for being more uh, effective, efficient, and more productive. Yeah, there's, there's a lot of ways that you can look at, um, uh, what I'll say being effective, what, what I like to call leverage, because you can be very efficient and at the end of the week, get nothing done. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and you can be very productive 
and not do the things that really matter. So we look through the lens of leverage, an input to output ratio. How do I get as much as I can with as little as possible? So, you know, if I have seven meetings that happen every single week, that's seven hours out of my week just spent sitting in meetings. So I'm going to look at that and say, how can I cut this down to three meetings and get all of the same amount of stuff done in those meetings? Um, because if I can save myself three hours a week by cutting out meetings, uh, I'm a huge winner. So it really is how do we leverage everything to move the needle? And um, and that's one of the things that so much of what we do does not make the impact. So I would, you know, one of the tools uh, is what can I do right now that makes the biggest impact on what I'm trying to do this week? Whatever my goals are, whatever, whatever I'm trying to accomplish this week, what's the one thing, and there's always one thing, the one thing that is going to make the deepest impact on that? Do that first. 100% agree. I have a friend uh, who's a copywriter, and, and uh, her name is Julie. Um, she, her, her, she's famous for monotasking. That's, I think that she made up that term. She's a copywriter. Instead of multitasking, we're doing a lot of things. She's focused on one thing. When she's on assignment, she turn off everything. No cell phone, no nothing. Just focus on that particular task and she do it well and get done and move on to something else. So I think what you said, I can relate to you know, her monotasking uh, skills out there. Yeah, but multitasking is a lie. You know, Biologists will tell you that humans don't multitask. They task shift. They go from one thing to another, you know, and, and when it, even when it seems like we're doing two things at the same time, there's one thing that's happening in the foreground of our awareness and our attention and one thing that's happening in the background. So if you look at, you know, walking and talking, you're not thinking about putting one foot in front of the other. You're thinking about the conversation and the talking. If you're driving and texting, well, guess what? You're thinking about the texting and not really having the driving in your awareness. And that's why people run into things. So it, it really is uh, the multitasking thing is a lie. If you think you're a good multitasker, you're not. Um, you're, you're just task shifting and you're hemorrhaging valuable energy resources. And this is why you're burning out at the end of the week. Yeah, yeah. Wanted to ask you, you know, from what you are and from your from your notes that you sent me, you said there are opportunities right now in the marketplace. So can you point out a couple of examples where they are? And, you know, there are a group of us that are really optimistic. You know, we think that things are going to get better soon. But then there are also a big group of people that say, you know, things are going to get really worse before they get better. So mm-hmm. which camp are you and then what kind of opportunities do you see? I would say that it doesn't matter and I don't care <laughs> because here, here's the deal, right? You don't have to like something in order to make it work for you. You do have to take responsibility for how you're thinking about it, how you're relating to whatever the issue is. What we say is how you relate to the issue is the issue. And so if you're sitting here going, things are going to get worse, it's going to be terrible and everything's going to be awful. You're, you're driving your neurochemistry in a very specific way. Your brain is firing in a very specific way. And if you say, hey, things are going to get better. This is a lot of opportunity here. Same thing is going to happen. Different neurochemistry is going to happen. Your brain is going to fire in a different way. Now, this is important because basic neuroscience here, feelings drive actions. Feelings drive actions. Actions produce results. So if you're feeling doom and gloom and upset and this sucks, you're going to be in a certain framework that takes certain actions. Whereas if you're in, hey, there's a lot of opportunity here, I'm excited about the future and what I might be able to do and moving that I don't know to I wonder how, 
and moving that I can't to I could, shifting all of this changes your neurochemistry. It changes even your, your, uh, your neurophysiology. And you're going to take different actions that is going to take, uh, that's going to produce different results. So full responsibility for what you think, what you feel, and align yourself with what is uh, best for the outcome that you want. Mm-hmm. And also read that, I, and I talked to an expert, you know, who was uh, previously on the show. Uh, actually, the number of pe- people who start uh, a business has actually skyrocketed. And, you know, people who uh, incorporate new businesses has also increased because, you know, they might unfortunately get you know, laid off, but now they are taking on the side hustle or something that they really want to do for a long time now becomes their uh, main business. Yeah, I, I was actually in a uh, in in a fairly good sized meeting. There are about forty people in the room, and um, and this was several months ago, probably around maybe June of twenty twenty. And somebody said, "Man, you know, thirty million people are unemployed because of COVID nineteen." And I'm like, "That's fantastic." And everybody looked at me like I was crazy, right? And uh, and I said, "Look, there, eighty seven percent, according to Gallup, eighty seven percent of the workforce is either unengaged or actively disengaged at work. They hate their jobs. So when we hit thirty million people unemployed, it was like, okay, for four million people, that's that's pretty bad. But for twenty six million people, they just got liberated from a job that they hated, and now they can go off and pursue their wildest dreams and the things that they've always wanted to do, and told themselves that they couldn't because I have to work, I'm trapped, and all this kind of stuff. And mm-hmm. you're absolutely right. The uptick that we saw in July, August about corporate formation, IP applications, trademark applications skyrocketed. So people are doing it. They are saying, you know what? I'm not going to go back to that terrible job that I hated. I'm going to go after the thing that I've always been wanting to do. And we're going to see massive amounts of innovation and creativity and opening up new markets over the next three years for sure. I think it's uh, the market itself also are more welcoming for uh, new business. Because before, when you try to run a good-sized business, try to impress people, you need you know, a nice office, you need, you know, certain type of furniture, so a lot of expense, right? But right now, you can impress people by just cleaning up your room, make sure that <laughs> your rectangle is presentable, maybe you have a lot of clothes like in behind, as long as they don't see in the screen, you're, you're good, then you can run a, you know, you, you can impress a lot of people by just having, you know, your point, your commitment, and then, you know, a little bit books that helps. Yeah, you can do so much now, uh, you know, with the technology that's available and the technology that's coming is is going to be nothing short of impressive. And so the the opportunities are abound over the next three years in particular and and further out for the rest of the decade, really. Okay, I wanted to switch gear a little bit and ask you, you know, what are some of the benefits with uh, for working with a coach like yourself? So are we needing the guidance more or can a coach be uh, pointing out something that, you know, we never thought of themselves, you know, what, what are your thoughts for uh, benefit for working with a coach? Well, working with a coach is no longer an option. This is something that is is really necessary. If if you don't have a coach, you need to find one. And it's it's tough because there's a lot of different kinds of coaches out there. So you need to understand what kind of coach do I need and what really works for me. And and so it is kind of uh, you know still the wild west in terms of the coaching industry. But there's a um, 
there's a math principle out there called the law of accelerating returns. And what that shows is that 1920 is to 2020 as 2020 is to 2030. So we're going to see 100 years of technological evolution in the next 10. And at that rate of speed, we need to move as fast as we possibly can to be as creative as we possibly can. And you need that unbiased feedback from an outside source to kind of show you what's going on. A coach is a mirror for you so that you can see how you're relating to the world and so that you can consciously align yourself with the outcomes that you're looking for. So the, the, and the, the hallmark of a, of a good coach is that they will not tell you anything about what you should do. They will not give you advice. Consultants have advice. Coaches mm-hmm. have questions, right? So, um, so it's a very different kind of thing. Um, but a coach will hold up the mirror to you and say, you know, what I'm hearing you say is this, is that right? So you can hear what's really going on underneath the surface so that you can align yourself. Um, it, it's kind of like working on the car you're driving, right? You need a mechanic. To, so stop, hold on, let's get under the hood and look at this. That's what a good coach is going to do for you. Like you said, you know, there are a lot of coaches out there and different styles and personalities. So uh, for for the listener who might be thinking about looking for a coach, what question do they need to ask themselves before reaching out to a coach? You know, for uh, it, should they be looking for a particular style that works for them or a certain type of expertise? And what, what would you suggest they, they ask themselves? Yeah, that that's a really tough question um, because it's going to be different for pretty much anyone that, that hears the answer, right? So I would say, first, make sure you know the difference between a coach and a consultant, because some people, they need consultants more than they do coaching right now. Other people need coaches and not consultants. So understand the difference. And like I said, consultants have answers, coaches have questions. Um, the uh, And then I, I don't know that it's important to find a coach that has done what you're trying to do because their answers may not be your answers, right? So again, mm-hmm. this is the question answer thing. Um, energy is important. I would say that's that's probably the first thing to look at is notice what you feel about the energy between you and the coach that you're vetting. Make sure that your coach has a coach because the best coaches have coaches. Um, and I would I would caution somebody from discounting a coach that either isn't certified or is quote unquote too young. I see a lot of young coaches coming out and they're really good. And, you know, some people will say, well, they don't have enough experience. I said, no, coaches need, uh, consultants need experience. Coaches don't necessarily need experience because the younger ones grew up in a different world of possibility, right? So when I was a kid, Evil Knievel was the coolest thing on two wheels. But now you've got like Travis Pastrata and the X Games. And so they grew up in a different world of what was possible, which means they have a different mindset and they're open to ideas that maybe somebody that is more seasoned does not have that same kind of framework. So, um, so yeah, I don't, I don't know if that there, if that's, if that's the answer you're looking for. <laughs> yeah, I think that's a good, good place to start. You know, first of all, you know, you want to make sure that the style, the coaches is, it's you know what you have that's the most important you can work with someone that you couldn't connect with you know that's uh, and it, I, I like you what you said about you know, younger coaches too you know maybe they are in a particular uh, experience that you know you're dying to have you know look at how many uh, young people out there uh, doing startups and doing things that we never thought of before and you know my son for example with 
all the things that he's doing at Discord. You know, we never thought that it's possible. Like like you said, like five ten years ago. Yeah, I'll, I'll talk to uh, you know an, an accountant or, or or an attorney or somebody or a, you know a, a CEO at, uh, at at a fairly decent sized organization, and um, and the idea that you can make a couple of million dollars as a YouTuber, they have no idea how that's right. possible, <laughs> how that works, or even what that means, you know. And so they're like, it, it's a world that they did not come from, and that a lot of times they don't understand. So make sure the you know you you are finding that coach with the right energy and the right kind of attitude, and um, and talk to some of their clients, you know, if they'll let you. If if there's uh, you know that's that's a great way. Uh, to get the client's experience of working with that coach. That's good. So I know that you liked uh, where, you know, first week in, first working week in 2021. So I wanted uh, to ask for advice on how to achieve our goals in 2021. Should we aim lower so we can achieve all that? Or should we, like, what, what should we do for finding our goals and achieving them? Well, the, you know, I won't go too far down the road of metaphysics here, but it does it does start with that challenge what you believe kind of thing. And I would say I, I would rather fail at a goal that's really lofty than achieve a goal that's maybe sandbagging it a little bit or holding back. So um, so I say go for whatever you want. Um, let go of what you think is possible. Right, because there's there's sort of a weird thing. Um, the the human ancestral brain doesn't really process time very well. You know, when we start talking like quantum mechanics or something, because the brain only thinks of time as is in a linear fashion before, during, and after. Um, but if you take a task, for example, let's say you want to write a book. If you tell yourself, "Wow, it's going to take me three years to write a book," it's going to take you three years. If you tell yourself, "It's going to take me three months to write a book." It's going to take you three months. It just depends on what you really hold in your consciousness as a fact, as truth, as what you really believe, because a task or a goal will expand or contract based on the time that you allot for it. So challenge what you think is possible. Go for what you really want more than what you think is possible. You'll get a lot farther. Mm, Okay. So it's just do what you think about doing, I think going back, I, I'm going to repeat, you know, what you said, it's, you know, you got to make a real commitment, you know, take on some challenge, take responsibility, and then any goal can be achieved. If you really put, uh, you know, one task and don't focus on other things that might not be important while you're doing the task that you're trying to do. Yeah. It, and, and, and it will require some sacrifices, you know, I mean, I've, I've achieved the impossible at least three times in my life where I really said, I'm going to bend the universe and, and make the impossible a reality. I decided I wanted to trade in a, a six figure career in the tech industry to become a, a radio DJ, which, you know, I got started, I was being paid $12 an hour part time. You know, when I started this organization, I was basically broke, homeless and living out of my trunk, you know? So, um, of all the crazy things, of all the crazy things you could bet on, the safest one is probably you. Hmm. Yeah, and then people invest in yourself, you know. Yeah, look at Elon Musk, you know. Elon right. Musk did all kinds of crazy things. He says, oh, I'm going to invest all this money in this, that, and the other, and I'm just not going to pay rent. I'm going to be broke and living on my buddy's couch, you know, so... Um, it really is about what are you willing to do 
to make it happen? Are you willing to make the sacrifices out in the physical world as well as in your inner world? Like if you're going to achieve a goal, something that you really want, there are certain things that you cannot afford. You cannot afford a mindset that says, I'm not good enough. You cannot afford the luxury of, I don't deserve it, or I can't. These are luxuries that you cannot afford when you're going after something that's important to you. That stuff needs to be sacrificed. Yeah, you know, speaking of Elon, like he he does think really differently for for most people. Like it it's just so overwhelmed to see, you know, how he I don't think he really cares. Like he's like the second richest person in the world right now because he probably don't look at it. And then uh, I read that he sold all his properties and he just mm-hmm. he doesn't want physical possession. So mm-hmm. uh he probably doing focus more on the tasks he's working on and what he's able to do is so different. You know, there's a car company, you know, he, he does a drilling company, a, a flame torch, and, you know, he go, he sent people into space now. So mm-hmm. uh, I think what you said, again, going back to the challenge that you think is possible and take responsibility and then make commitment, that's how really gets things done. And sorry, I keep repeating it, but I just think it just, you know, looking at it, then it makes you, want to do things that you think is not possible before. Yeah. And, and I think once, once you've done that, you've challenged what you think is possible, you've taken full responsibility and you've made the commitment. It's time to take action. You know, there's um, the, the lawyer, you know, any lawyer will tell you that time kills deals. And I will tell you that success loves speed. You know, you, we mentioned Elon Musk and it's like, he doesn't think too long about stuff from what I can tell. He has an idea, thinks it through, goes, yep, that's a good idea. And then he just starts doing it. You know, he wanted to, he said, he's sitting in traffic one day and he decided, man, there should really be a tunnel from right. the valley into LA. So what did he do? He just started digging a hole, you know, <laughs> he just got moving. So get out of your own way. And again, I don't think there was one thought in there that occurred to him that said, oh, I can't do that. Oh, it's too expensive. Oh, it's going to take too much time. Oh, that's not possible. Oh, there's going to be so many permits. Like all of that stuff was gone. Dude just started digging a hole, right? Yeah, right smack in LA. Yeah, so get in motion and stay in motion every single day. Um, That's going to make the difference. Love that. Hi, Chris. Uh, so wanted to ask you, and I know that you have something exciting coming uh, for your company. And also, can you uh, tell the viewer if they want to reach out to you, what would be the best way? Yeah, absolutely. We have a lot going on. We have a new website that's about to launch. We, uh, I, I wrote a book, so that's coming out uh, by the end of the month called Renegotiate Your Existence, um, which you can do. You can renegotiate your entire existence. Um And uh, you can get us at statusflow.net. I'm actually encouraging everybody to go to the terrible website because the last idiot that built the website was me. So I'm very excited to have professional website builders building it. So I'm very excited for the new one, uh, statusflow.net. And you can get us on uh, Instagram as well at the statusflow. Okay, I'll put all the notes uh, down there. And then Chris, thank you so much. And hopefully you don't mind me to take that quote for for this year. And then uh, thank you so much for coming on to the show today. Absolutely. You're welcome. And thank you. Grateful to be here. Bye.